jobs in ad tech. Are you looking for a new role in the industry? Head over to jobsinadtech.com today. Employers, use discount code POD1515, that's P-O-D-1515, to enjoy a one-off 10% discount on any subscription package of your choice. Jobsinadtech.com, supporting the ad tech industry because people matter. Welcome to a special episode of the Programmatic Digest podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, and we have two amazing genius, thebomb.com ladies on the podcast from Adapex. We have Lindsay and Deborah. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. How are you? Great. Thank you, Ellen. And thank you for having us. We're super excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm also super excited to have you all because we're going to talk about, you know, identity landscape, the challenges that we're facing in the industry, specifically with a focus on publishers, right? What are available solution? And if you're on the buy side and you're listening to this quick intro, I want you to stick around because by understanding these challenges that are publisher partners or sell side partners are facing can really educate your decisions. And then it can give you the perspective that maybe we're all missing right now. And y'all have heard me said how we have a serious silo between <laughs> buy side and sell side. So I think this is a great opportunity to get educated, to get inspired and empowered by Deborah and Lindsay. Hi, my name is Kaylee, and I'm going to walk you through my experience with the Reach and Frequency program. So I started this program back in April, and I was at a place in my life I needed to change something. I studied advertising in college, and I wasn't doing it, but that's what I wanted to do. So I met with Ellen, and I told her my story, and she was like, I think you need to consider doing this. I think that I could really help you get to that next step. So I enrolled, and seven weeks later, I have fundamentals of programmatic advertising. And during all this, I was job hunting. I was ready to move on. So putting this on my resume was like really great because I finally got a interview out of all the applications. And within the first 15 minutes of that interview, they were like, what is this? What are you doing? Why does Ellen Parker Consulting matter? And I'm like, this is why it matters because she created a program that is the reason I got this interview. But the fact that within the first interview that that came up said something to me, that it mattered, that me taking the time to invest in this program made a difference because now I got a job offer from those folks. And I'm like, Ellen, guess what happened? And she's super ecstatic and she's like, what set you apart? And I'm like, this program set me apart. This program is what made the difference and I stand by that. Um, so to anyone that is considering it, you know, talk to Ellen, make sure it's the right thing for you. But I full-heartedly believe that if I didn't do this, if this wasn't on my resume, I probably wouldn't have gotten the job offer. So I highly recommend talk to Ellen, take your time to understand what's going on in your life. And if you can fit it in, if you're desiring a change of pace or if you're desiring to understand programmatic, definitely consider this. So let's get into the introduction first before we get into today's conversation. So Lindsay, how about we start with you? Give us like a good maybe two, three minutes of who Lindsay is, how did you get started, where are you from, and things like that, like the good juicy things. And then we'll get into <laughs> Deborah. Sure. Um, well, what you see is what you get, obviously. I think I came into ad tech a little bit late. 
probably my late 20s, was kind of, you know, was fortunate to be spending, you know, after college time to kind of figure out where I wanted to go and getting a lot of experience in other areas. But I really what led me to ad tech was, you know, kind of just the startup, the fast paced nature of it all. Um, You really can't get a handle on it because once you get a handle, then you're already behind. But yeah, I I was really fortunate. I was at a startup, kind of moved my way all the way up within a year and a half and got acquired by LiveRamp when they were formerly owned by Axiom. So a lot of big adjustments going from, you know, 15 person scrappy team to a company, you know, when I left was over 1500 worldwide. So um, was a yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of growing, a lot of growing up, but really was heads down in the identity space before I really even realized it doing a lot of buying, selling data for their graph, working on their data partnerships. And then I was brought to do a lot of their go-to-market on their addressable solutions mm-hmm. back when this was even before Google announced that cookie deprecations. So this was like 2019. And there was already a huge problem back then because mm. we were missing yeah. tracking. Yeah, third-party blocking was already you know happening on Safari and iOS. And so that was already mm-hmm. you know working with a data company that was so advertiser-focused that was already a huge, you know, problem in their eyes. And so mm-hmm. that was pretty interesting, um, being able to kind of ride that wave. And that's kind of what led me to meeting Deborah and her team when I started managing our channel partnerships and really helping kind of evangelize, you know, more, I, I wouldn't even say evangelize, it was educate, I think, for the longest time. Uh, <laughs> cookie lo- this thing, yeah, cookie loss happening. And, um, you know, what do these cookie-less solutions mean? What's, you know, all these, you know, kind of cutting through the noise of IDs. And and so, yeah, so now um, I help lead business development at Adapex and help with their data data strategy, with kind of publisher hands-on strategy and everything in between. That's really, really cool. Um, I have some follow-up questions, but let's get into Deborah's uh, uh, introduction. Who is Deborah? Why is she so awesome? Okay. Oh, <laughs> are you going to make me turn red? Um, no, so I um, I founded Adapex 10 years ago. This is my third startup, and I've always nice. lived in this internet world because it sounds cliche now, but I really am super passionate about disruption and about Mm. coming into systems, breaking them up and making them more efficient and leaving the world a better place Mm -hmm. after we do that, right? I also have a very short attention span. So my (laughs) previous startups were a couple of years, three years each. And I'm just amazed at myself. This is the first time I've ever been sitting in a position for 10 years now and counting. And it's because You know, I love the fast pace of a startup, as Lindsay was saying, but in the ad tech world, there's never a dull moment. Every six months, it's a new business and we're facing new issues and we're inventing new technology and and learning new jargon and finding new solutions. Mm -hmm. So here I am, yes, sitting here 10 years later and loving every minute of it. And our biggest challenge and our biggest excitement right now for me is around the data product that we're building products. And that started when I found myself sitting at home and I couldn't go to conferences anymore and talk with colleagues and things like that. And I saw Google had announced the cookie deprecation and I was thinking, what are people saying? What's happening? Because we represent a lot of um, mid to long tail publishers whose monetization relies on third party cookies. So um, we started actually a, a webinar series and we first asked the advertisers, and then we had another one, which was more sell-side, so buy-side and sell-side facing. And their answer, surprisingly or not surprisingly, was the same. Oh, the other guys will think about it. 
So cell side is oh. saying the buy side will think about it's it. It's a cell side issue. The yeah. Side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'll figure it out and so, tell us what to do. Yeah. I've heard. Right. I've heard right. That. Like, we'll just wait for the answer to come, you know? <laughs> and so that's when I started cracking and thinking, we really have to build out something. We have got to be looking out for our publishers. And so we started the first obvious place to go mm-hmm. were the ID solutions. And as Lindsay said, you know, it's not like, the cookie deprecation is coming. It's already here. Mm-hmm. 50% of the traffic out there is not, you know, it's not targetable. It's not personalizable. So anyway, we leaned into LiveRamp and I started working with Lindsay and we started working in partnership, you know, yeah. okay, we're connected, but what are we sending? What are you receiving? How can we optimize? And yeah. just formed, you know, began forming a partnership mm-hmm. and loved Lindsay. And I'm thrilled that we were able to convince her to come over to our team and, and be a big part of, of building out this this new product offering for publishers and advertisers alike, because there is an advertiser facing piece of it as well. That's really dope. Uh, so I have, I have two questions and I'm going to let one of you answer either. The first question is, I like to ask every guest on the podcast, how they will explain something to a five-year-old. And so what would be your definition of Adebeck's mission to a five-year-old? Like what is Adebeck doing for their client base to a five-year-old? And then the second question would be like, what are the data products that you're referring to maybe in, in relevance of the ID solution um, to a five-year-old? So which one wants to take the first one? <laughs> I'll take the first one. <laughs> Lindsay, you I'll take the easy one. (laughs) Yeah. So our mission is to make publishers more money, right? We partner with our publishers and we look at all of their sites as if they were our own. And we have built out technology continuously innovating over the past 10 years to do just that. So we just monetize. We make more money for publishers okay. through our technology and through our services. Okay. Did a five-year-old understand that? Um, I don't know if the five-year-old would understand a publisher. So give us, give us like oh. even like... Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question because it's very broad. Anyone with digital content, it can be a website, it can be an app, mm. it can be CTV, mm-hmm. it can be a podcast, it can be um, soon out of home advertising. Mm-hmm. So you have content. Content is not created for free. Yeah. It's mostly paid for by ads. That's the free. Oh my gosh. That's something I say work. to every single family members, every Thanksgiving, every Easter dinner, every yeah. dinner gathering cookouts. They're always like, Oh, there's so much ads. I hate ads. And I'm like, well, this music is free right now because of <laughs> advertising. Yeah. I'm like, did you forget to like your open like, up your magazines? Yeah. <laughs> newsletter. I'm always like, are you paying for YouTube right now? No, then you're going to listen to the advertising now. You know, it's just like one of (laughs) those things, right? (laughs) They hate me for it. But now it's ruining my my daughter because she'll watch like, I don't know, something on YouTube. And then there's an ad and she's like, commercial. (laughs) And she's only three. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? What are we doing? Anyway, it's cool. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're all that per- yeah. we're all the same person at the Thanksgiving table, basically. Yeah, uh, I'm the one who's like more interested in the advertisements. Like I perk up, so I'm like, yeah, what's the value exchange here. I'm like, who are they targeting? Is it accurate? Like, is- oh, 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 I'm I'm definitely that. When I'm on my mama house, I'm always like, what? Why would she be targeting with this ad? It makes no sense. Like, especially like my mom, she only consumes like religious stuff on YouTube, and so oh, when gosh. I see something like I don't know. 
like going out to a club or something. And I'm like, how would this, why is this here? This is so irrelevant. Like, and then I start thinking, who was at her house lately? That yeah. would be, is it my sister? Is it this person? Yeah, Hulu thought I was like a Spanish speaking household for a couple of years. We had to untangle who had oh, really? access to our account. And we soon realized it was a friend's family. Yeah, someone was using it. They had a Spanish nanny and he was just running Spanish content <laughs> all day. Um, so we, fig- we, yeah, we figured out that mystery. But yeah, it always it always makes me curious how they tie households together. Yeah, I remember, um, I think the worst thing that we did as advertisers though, and then we'll go back to your definition, but was like my maiden name is Fernandez but it's Portuguese and um, you know here in the U.S. is more popular in the Mm -hmm. Spanish community and uh, I we used to receive like Spanish mail (laughs) but from from brands you know it would be like just I don't know from the YouTube that's a pretty big assumption (laughs) I'm like yeah right and I'm, I would, oh, it would always drive me nuts. And I love the Spanish community. And that's, I think yeah. that's, they're amazing. Right. But the, the, the thing that drove me nuts is the assumption that because yeah. based on my last name, you know, whether it was consented or not, obviously utility company is consented. It would just drive me really crazy. Yeah, they created a data point. They're like, she is in this oh, bucket. Fernandez, now. she's definitely right, yeah. Spanish <laughs> or Latino, Hispanic or Latino, right, whatever. Right. Let me bombard her. And it would be create like a lot of mail in Spanish, like from groceries around us, <laughs> grocery stores. But anyway, now we don't receive as much. I don't think we've received one in a minute, actually. Maybe the yeah, identity has gotten better. Yeah. 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 It's gotten better. They you cleaned know. out yeah. the cash. <laughs> yeah. Like now I sound a uh, Parker's very American. Parker, you know. So <laughs> it's all in English right now, guys. So you're you're doing fine. Okay. So Lindsay, maybe give us like our definition of the yeah. product so we know what it is and then give us the five year old. So like one well, of like I, the I, main thing we do, we do really great at Adapex. Yeah, our bread and butter is for sure our managed ad ops services. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely evolved with the landscape. And one of the biggest things that I noticed when I was at LiveRamp, you know, working with the channel partners and, you know, the companies that, you know, kind of work downstream of these guys Mm -hmm. was it's fragmented, the ad stack, it's it's complicated, trying to understand demand sources, things like that. And so I think the one thing just knowing Adapex and just knowing the other companies and they're under the hood and everything like that is Adapex does a great job at rolling it all up into like a singular wrapper technology, you know, something that you can put on page, you don't have to add another hub or, you know, module, et cetera, et cetera. And so Mm -hmm. That's really helpful for the publishers. And especially as we look forward and forward where the landscape's only going to be more consolidated, the yeah. economy's down, there's tons and tons of layoffs. We all know this. And so there's teams that will just not exist anymore. And it's unfortunate, but you know, we have to make it as easy as possible. And I think the one thing I always loved about Adapex was they meet the publisher where they are. And it's like, yeah, of course you wish you could scale things. You can make something that's scalable across a thousand different publishers, but I don't think a publisher will ever fit. Some may fit in a box, but it's all going to be kind of a white glove. It's all going to have to be a white glove service because everybody has yeah. a different audience, different content, different different leadership. And so there's a lot of variables. Um, putting that into like a five-year-old definition, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I would just say, you know, the way I always describe stuff is like, we just are trying to keep the plumbing. I always compare stuff to plumbing um, <laughs> within the ad stack. And I'm just like, we're just trying to keep the pipes connected between the advertisers who want to reach their buyers. And we want to make sure the websites and the mobile app can be able to, you know, allow all that spend happening. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're able to provide the invisible technology that sits on page that does all of the magic. Uh, yeah, I, w- I don't even know if I want to put it in a five-year-old definition because then <laughs> it just makes us sound like a black <laughs> but um, I would say like the Adapex advantage is definitely it's the flexibility too and being able to interoperate. I think that's a good segue into today's conversation about the identity landscape, some of the challenges you're facing on the publisher side, on the sales side. And I think what I really want us to maybe start the conversation with is what is identity from a publisher perspective? And the reason why I'm asking that it's because to us on the buy side is the way that we are able to maybe track and measure uh, the audience that we're targeting, right? So we are buying those ideas based on how it was packaged for us, maybe based on our advertiser ideal customer. The biggest challenge I know, and I'll and I'll let you answer this, but the biggest challenge we're facing on the buy side is like who the hell to work with, and then how much of the data we're bidding on is ID only and still third-party cookies. I don't think DSPs have figured this out. And if you're working for a DSP and you're like, I figured it out, give me a call because <laughs> I haven't had any DSPs that was able to clearly show me. In my audience report or whatever it is that all of these segments are based on UID 2.0 or based on this type of signals. And this is third-party cookies. Right now, it's just all a melting pot. So that's the biggest challenge. With this knowing, how do we define identity on the sell side? And what are some of the challenges that maybe you're facing like in this moment? Um, I'll just start in that, Lindsay. I know she'll have a lot to add. Um, so yes, every identity solution is approaching it with a different strategy, with okay. a different philosophy. I agree. Okay. Um, we we know for sure that it's not going to be one solution. Mm-hmm. So you can never bet on one horse. We're betting on 15 horses right now. We're connected mm-hmm. to 15. And you can just see in the results. The good news is, is when we plugged in a year and a half ago, it was like crickets. There was nothing. Now we're starting to see some action. We are seeing advertisers and talking directly with advertisers who are really testing out these solutions. But even when we look at every solution, yes, there's always... An, incremental uplift overall, but some are better with Safari, some are better with iOS, some are better with this vertical, some are better with another vertical. So this is just indicative of the fact that everyone has their own recipes that they're Mm. putting together. Mm -hmm. Um, As as far as I see, and again, Lindsay, I I know you'll have some to add, but that's another reason why when I said we have an advertiser facing piece on our data product, what we're doing is we're gathering first party data across all of our publishers. We're contextualizing it. We're making it addressable Mm -hmm. through targets, which we create, which are pretty standard targets. You know, you'll find them out there anywhere. And then we have the identifiable piece, which can be, it's our own ID. It's a hashed email. Mm -hmm. So we have those three different layers, but advertisers also have a different approach, right? Mm -hmm. So we want an advertiser to be able to come into our black box, our triangle and say, okay, we want auto intenders, but we think that's someone who visited three auto sites 
and a sports camping site or something like that. Another car company will come in and say, we want five auto pages and we want someone else who also visited, you know, cars and yachts or some other site kind of contextualization that is going to make them more relevant to that specific brand. Yeah, we got to, I think we just have to like break it down (laughs) further both sides. You know, everything, what I tell publishers, everything's broken and it's about to break big time and we need to be prepared not in a scary way but we just need to be prepared and you know kind of get our house in order and make sure that you know publishers need a data strategy and we for the longest time could kind of fly by and skate off the third party cookie and you know things were working but it's a different landscape now and it always returns i think the one thing i really learned when i was at live ramp is it always returns back to the advertiser needs to be able to find the person they want to target at the right place, the right time, et cetera. Like that's always the end goal. And Mm -hmm. right now, you know, that attribution part is super fragmented. The measurement part's fragmented, the targeting part's fragmented, whether, you know, you're cookie syncing, you know, you're just not going to get a hundred, you know, one-to-one. So that's where the IDs are helping solve the problem. But like Deborah said, it's going to be multi-prong and you really have to kind of look at, the data kind of layers. And I I used to always tell pubs, like when cookies, third-party cookies fully deprecate, we're going to have two buckets of audiences. It's going to be fully anonymous, like cookie-less, and then it's going to be ID, something that is addressable and can be tied to an ID. And then you have to think about kind of maturity models of, all right, well, what am I going to do with the widest swath of data, that anonymous data? You know, okay, seller-defined audiences are becoming pretty hot. And how can we contextualize? How can we bring more value to that group? How can we convert that group into a more valuable group? And that's that addressable piece. And it's kind of like talking about Deborah's triangle where, you know, kind of working up this pyramid of the higher you go, the more valuable, the harder it's going to get, but there's more reward. And I think that's a great step one. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're doing at Adapex is really trying to meet also the advertisers where they need to be met, which is scale. And that's been super interesting. Yeah. And that's been super interesting right now is like, Seven years ago, I was buying, you know, hash emails tied to cookies and people were talking about how unique their data was and not trying yeah. to sell it. And now people are <laughs> jumping at $7 CPMs because they understand <laughs> that their 5 million, you know, yeah, whatever website page. is, it's not going to cut it anymore. And it's about to like really get a huge haircut once everything becomes fully cookie-less. So it's disappointing, but it's totally the way things go is we're not, no one's going to act until like we have to act and that's just yeah. human behavior. And and so, or it's kind yeah, of, we like to be logical. reactive. Yeah. So it's super logical. Like that's how things are happening. And, and that's mm-hmm. what makes our job hard too, is like really trying to work with the publishers and making them a understand, educate what's going on. And then why do you need to invest and why do you need to kind of opt in and do some of these other things? And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it's then on the flip side, talking to the advertisers and letting them know, like, we're still going to be a source of premium inventory. We're actually working on ways to really scale this in a way that's going to be much easier for you to spend on better you know, measurement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, it's the whole flywheel. I got you. So there's a few things that you just dropped, both of you. And so I, I want to recap a little bit. So first you said it's going to be a two bucket thing, anonymize and then the ID. Hi, did you know that at Ellen Parker Consulting, we now offer an accelerator program where we attract, recruit and train future marketers. And their training include a six weeks program where they cover programmatic landscape, Um, industry, important industry trends, 
the differences between targeting placement and targeting mix and their best practices, including optimization and reporting hacks. Um, and they're able to set up, manage, and monitor a campaign, a demo campaign in the trade desk. Everything, including audience selection, inventory optimization, SPO, creative upload, brand safety, you name it. They're able to do it at the end of the six weeks program. So if you are part of the 90% of employers struggling to find a skilled candidate today and not willing to spend $14,900 on a bad hire, according to Zipia, give us a call. Let's discuss which one of our five to 10 juniors available every month is the perfect fit for your team. Clients who have hired our juniors have shared that we were able to help them save one to two months on boarding with those juniors. Give us a call right now and let's discuss the solution with you. Refresh our memory. What do you mean by anonymized audience? What would be that first example of this first bucket? Yeah. So if you think you have a website, think about the way the users and it's it's really like as a publisher, you now have to start thinking about it like as an advertiser and vice versa. And you need to start understanding its customer acquisition and its customer journeys. And these are your readers. And so you have to understand what's the value exchange? What am I giving my readers? You know, are they getting free content? Are they getting X, Y, and Z advice call? I don't know, anything, newsletters, it could be anything. And are they getting, you know, a network that they can log into? From there, we need to then understand, okay, you know, it's me going to that website today without any sort of login mechanism, et cetera. Yes, there is going to be a third party cookie attached to me. But yeah, in this new future, I'm going to be a zero. I'm going to be literally just this random person. You have no sort of, you have no name, no demo information. You don't know where I'm coming from. And so that's kind of where you have to be as a publisher. Like, where do we start with that user? How do we get them hooked? How do we bring them back? How do we get them engaged? How do I get them to get, offer up more data? And then, you know, and, and it might be just super small incremental data. Maybe it's sending a poll. Maybe it's getting them to sign up for your newsletter. Maybe it's getting them to start logging in, coming back, clicking through the articles through the newsletter. But really, yeah, anonymous is like fully anonymous. And like the way you can view that right now is look at your Chrome CPM versus your Safari CPM. Tell me, tell, tell me how that looked. And that's fully because the user from Safari right now, they have, there's no information on them in the bid stream. And so why would a huge premium advertiser throw a bunch of money at them and spend a high CPM when there's no real answer on what that return's going to be? And so when there's an ID, obviously there's more information in the bid stream. There's more information for the advertiser to make that decision, multiple advertisers to make decisions and say, you know, hey, there's I'm going to put a lot of money here because there's definitely a good chance that this user is going to come back and give me what I want, et cetera. So maybe that's my like known versus unknown valuable, not very valuable. Do you think we'll have more unknown than known? And if yes, what percentage between? Heavy. It's going to be heavy. I think it's going to be well over 50%. It's Deborah, maybe. Yeah, we already are seeing, yeah. I mean, Safari, iOS, Edge, we've already lost 50% of the targetable audience out there. Chrome is the last ax to fall. So whoever's not on an ID solution and whoever's not collecting their own first party data is only going to be serving anonymized users. Mm. It's like, turn on an ad block. And this is how I, I tell people at the Thanksgiving dinner dinner table, <laughs> turn on an ad block, not an ad filter, but an actual ad block and see what kind yeah. of ads you get. It's the worst it's the oh, worst. Oh, it's terrible. Experience. You're lumberjack ads. Like, who who gets yeah, these ads? Yeah, who buys lumberjack yeah, ads? Exactly. Big like, trucks. Yeah. Bottom of the barrel. Yeah, it's bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 
And then it's like, you have to kind of tell the publisher, like, do you want that as your user experience? Like, I'm not going to be, I don't want to be like clicking around this website. It's like toe fungus ads and stuff. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) Telling all my business out here. But I mean, the one thing I will say is like, I used to tell publishers at LiveRamp because it's daunting to be like, you know, you had to start doing this like data strategy that you might not know, like what even the end value is. And we promise like you're going to get higher CPMs. And so Mm -hmm. we're not saying you have to have a hard registration wall and be a Facebook and have like completely locked down your content and say, nope, can't come in unless you log in and give us that data. There's so many ways to just get started. Newsletter, easiest way to get started if you're a content site. And yeah, it does require a little bit more bandwidth and effort on the publisher side, but it's going to keep the lights on in the future. It, that's your currency. And that's, you know, being able to have that data. And it's it's not, you start from 1% to 2% to, you know, getting up to 10 to 15% of addressable data is huge. If you can get up to keep your goalposts at like 30, 35%, that's amazing. And that's, that's a really huge game changer. And so I think sometimes publishers get super overwhelmed hearing about all of this when they just need to understand it's just incremental over time, like get started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. That's good. Is that what you mean by data strategy? Because on the buy side, data strategy is totally different. So (laughs) is that what you mean by for the publisher? Yeah. Data strategy is just helping them grow that first party data. Yeah. Like how are you collecting? You know, what, what, where would you start? And sometimes it's, it's finessing one that they might have, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of companies right now. It's interesting is they're getting pretty frustrated and, you know, some of their, they're losing value. And so then now they're starting to turn, oh, our subscriptions are now no ads only, or, you know, now they have to pay. And I'm like, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You just have to kind of be a little bit more flexible and experiment a lot more instead of, you know, just turning ads off because you're tracking the users and things like that. Mm, okay, that makes sense. So last question before we go into our closing segment. Um, so how many type <laughs> million dollar question, how many type of ID solution partners are there servicing maybe publisher side? Like like live ramp, I know we can we can use on the buy side now on the sell side. Like if you have to categorize it, what would it be? I know it's UID. 2.0 or is it 3.0 at this point? I can't remember. 3.0 still, but I mean, I would say it's okay. like 20 plus. And I think what yeah. hubs need to know, and I guess buy side for sure needs to know is like, is it truly cookie-less? Is it tied to an ID? And sometimes ID solutions, like you think it's an ID solution, but it's kind of like fingerprinting and it's kind of taking a lot of the you know data signals that they're not going to be able to get when the third party does cookie does fully deprecate. So some IDs work off soft signal softer signals some are like the ramp id um is very like hard you know it's like very like yes no like do you have an email you know and some of them work off of some other signals that they're able to pull and every id has a different demand source too and that's super Mm -hmm. important is like who's buying off of these ids and that's where Mm -hmm. you should go so if you have to summarize it into categories what would it be though so you said email base and then which will be UID right UID is email mm-hmm. base i would say deterministic and then live ramp is is it email deterministic ID? yeah so deterministic or probabilistic so deterministic you know how to identify that user there's an identity graph associated with that person and then probabilistic is kind of like well we don't know who this person is but we know that people who do these websites and, you know, with this click through on these ads, 
probably they fit into this category. Mm. Those are the broad strokes. But how how is probabilistic cookie-less or is it not cookie-less? How would it become cookie-less? Yeah, and that's an answer that some of these guys will <laughs> Okay, have we have. haven't figured that stuff it out. It hasn't yeah. shut down completely. So, I mean, that was that's, one of the... Yeah. That was that's why we're scaling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that's why you need scale. That's why, you know, we we're collecting data across all of our publishers because mm-hmm. any one single publisher is not going to get the probabilistic mm-hmm. relevance yeah. for anything. And so, there's truth sets too, because sometimes these ID companies, you know, in the mm-hmm. graph, it's like, how many times are they seeing this email? Will they then fully associate with that person? Or mm-hmm. some are a little bit like looser on that, you know, kind of restriction. Maybe they, you know, maybe they're willing to kind of pull in more data points for that I, that person. Mm-hmm. So that's where yeah. it's really getting complicated for ID solutions, for clean rooms, things like mm-hmm. that. When you start combining this data, it's like, well, where's what's the truth set? And yeah, TBD. <laughs> There's a lot. Okay, so I understand. I understand the challenges, and I and I've always said like looking at how uh, the industry is moving. And correct me if let me know if you agree or not on my projection. But looking at how this industry is moving, we are moving away from big data, sexy low CPMs and stuff. And advertisers are more willing to spend where measurement will give them the answers that they will. I would say. And so I think we're definitely going to see less on like something like the open marketplace. I don't think it'll disappear ever. I don't think it will. But there is going to be a big shift into those one-on-one deals direct with publishers, direct with publishers, network apps, people like Adapex outside of like even reaching through SSP. I mean, the traders are doing it with what open path. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Because Pubmatic has open wrap. Think. Yeah, so, yes, you're right. right. You've got like, can y'all figure it out? Like, is there nothing else you could have figured? Anyway, so open path from the traders. I think things like this are going to become more popular. With that say, how do you see SSP's relationship growing with how this industry is going into, and with the fact that I would work with somebody from an advertiser perspective, I would work with somebody direct versus having to go through several middlemen which is why open marketplace has such a bitter taste in a buyer's mouth because Mm -hmm. we have to go through several middlemen and then some of this Mm -hmm. data is not always great. Some of it is great, but how do you see the SSPs positioned? I don't think it'll disappear. I don't, I'm not, no. you know, listeners, now y'all, y'all chill. Don't tweak me or no, no. Yeah. they're not going to disappear. I think they're going to progress and grow, but how do y'all that works with them maybe on a one-on-one basis or more often than we would, how do you see it progressing? I think you said it perfectly. There are going to be those that are going to progress and grow. And those are, mm-hmm. there are going to be those that are going to die. It's a very, very crowded marketplace <laughs> with people doing a lot of the same thing. The more they get smart about their data strategy, about working with their advertisers to show their value in the value chain and building strong relationships with publishers, they're going to thrive. The others are, not everyone's going to survive. Yeah. What would you I say? I think strong will survive. That's not yeah, like adapter, a gladiator. Adapt yeah. Adapt yeah. or die. Yeah. Like not trying to be dramatic, but. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that as well. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I think same with publishers, same with adversaries. We're going to see a lot of consolidation merging. You know, it's, you know, you don't adapt, you're out of the, you know, kind of ecosystem. I think the biggest thing publishers just need to make it as easy as possible for advertisers to spend on their property. Um, And Mm -hmm. so that means like 
get your house in order, get yeah. your, you know, make it as easy as possible. Make sure you have pre-bid, make sure you have the right things on your page. That doesn't mean adding everything to your stack, but like your, you know, bread and butter is your content, your engagement, your community, et cetera. Like focus on that, find companies like Outapex to help with kind of, you know, the heavy lifting and connecting the plumbing and making that job easier. And the same thing with the SSPs, like they will find a way to, you know, create that uniqueness, that value mm-hmm. exchange as long as they can adapt and make it as easy as possible for the data to flow. And I think, you know, as long as it's as easy as possible, whoever that is, wherever that is, that will always remain king. We're always going to hear about these flashy new things. And it's interesting to hear about Open Path and and really kind of see, but yeah, TV. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about like how the successes and trials and and learnings. Um, Because even now Mm -hmm. as my side, like I said, I do a lot of trainings. I do a lot of workshops for agencies and agency trading desk and things like that. And during the most popular questions is like, how many SSPs, how many data providers should we work with? And I've, I started saying like, if you're working for more than 10 or five to 10 would be a, a nice one. We don't need 30, 40, 50. Yeah. Like we, I mean, back in the days when I started as a trader, <laughs> only like what, eight years ago, I think um, we had like audiences of 60, 70 segments. Okay. Like that's how we used to do it at school. Now we don't need to do it anymore. And some, some old school traders will still be like, Oh, what? I've only like that makes me itch but like you got you can't you can't go back to that big data because it's not there's no control at all you know again I don't think there's any control and for my friends on the SSV side <laughs> don't email me some people will email me after like so I would like to correct this you know and that's okay everybody's um I love hearing those those type of feedback but I think it's really important that as a buyer you understand who is your your strong performer and your weaker performer for which industry or which KPIs? Because again, magnets perform really well with OTT and CTV, but maybe it doesn't perform really well for like pharma specific. I don't know. It's an example, guys. It's an example. So that's what you want to remember. Maybe not add magnet for pharma, but add them to all CTV and OTT or things like that. So that's what we hear Lindsay and Deborah really clearly say, you got to do your due diligence to do some research and really look into those partners. And I think it's a good way to end the conversation, even though we have more uh, questions. But before we part ways, if you had to recap what we just said into like one bullet point, Lindsay, let's start with you. One bullet point. What do you want if the people or stopping the podcast right now, let's say for some reason, what is one thing you want them to to do? Or like, what's that one actionable insight from the conversation we just had? And then Deborah, you can, you can share. Oh, uh, like instinct, like first would be like, start a newsletter today. Um, no, but I, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> and I think really it's like, take a step back. If you're a publisher, take a step back, look at what you're doing today. And like what, what I think it's really looked, creating that, again, I keep talking about this customer journey, but it's starting to put that advertiser hat back on and try to understand what it's like, what what would make an advertiser want to spend on your property. And then, you know, kind of that, and that's kind of how you can start really creating a holistic data strategy. Hmm. I love the fact that you said going back to putting that consumer, focusing on the consumer journey, which, which we should have never lost. We did terrible job. Yeah. Think that. Yeah. We're making we too much really money. <laughs> That's why I was we're just going to say, we got we're excited here. about the technology <laughs> that, you know, was this and that. But anyway, Deborah, give us your one bullet point. Well, I think it's the same for both the buy side and the sell side. It's mm-hmm. test. There is no one size fits all. Yes, there are 25 mm-hmm. or more ID solution providers, but just look at the top ones. 
and test. You you yeah. can't know. We don't have enough information on the market. Um, and it's so specific to what is your product? Who is your target audience? What content are they consuming? In which way? You know, there is no recipe box out there. We need to be making our own recipes right now. That's so good. And, you know, I attended the Programmatic IO, the Agata Exchangers Conference in fall 2021. And that identity was, you know, it's still hot, but it was really hot because it was just second announcement of Google because now we're on announcement 17. <laughs> but um, the biggest thing was test your identity solution because nobody has it figured out per se to the T. They're all testing internally. But if you don't start now, then when shit's about to pop, you're really going to regret not having at least a year of data or six months of data, even three months of data to really help you identify those winning partners, mm -hmm. identity partners. So it's nothing new. And to anyone listening or from the buy side perspective, when we say test is literally like allocate a certain amount of budget mm -hmm. for this partner and this partner and test it, like do a true A-B test, right? Mm -hmm. And identify based on this A-B test, how can you complement both in support of your campaign's goal or if one works better than the other one, but I don't, I don't think one will be the total solution right now, at least not right now. No, nope. I don't think so. I think you're going to have to test one to three, at least on the same mm -hmm. campaign and then make that decision. I don't, I don't think anybody has it figured out this well yet, but we're much, I think we've gone much better since 2021, at least. Yeah. So at least that, yes, we have yeah. made great strides so far to um, go, but we've come yeah. a long way. <laughs> But that's what makes things so exciting, right? I yeah. think <laughs> people are probably pulling their hair, like growing, growing, growing like facial hair, women growing facial hair and things like that. But thank you so much for stopping by. So if you had to leave us with a word of wisdom, right? And which whoever wants to start, what would be your quick, like in the like 10 second or less, what would be a quick word of wisdom? Something you learned now that you wish you knew when you first started in your career or as a freshman in the world of ad tech? What would be a good uh, word of wisdom? Deborah, let's start with you this time. I think a good word of wisdom is trust in your instinct and trust in the universe to take you on your journey. Your journey is your journey. Mm. Don't listen to other people. And if you really want to succeed, you have to be prepared to fail. Mm. So when you're in a moment that's tough, or when you failed, I tell my kids all the time, just wait for it. This mm -hmm. is happening for a reason. Don't get frustrated. Open your eyes, open your heart and look for the reason that this happened. And you'll get there quicker. That's my yeah. advice I give to my kids. Don't hold the failures above your head. Also, I think we can identify yeah. ourselves based on failures and just go with it. Like, oh, I've made this mistake. So I'm no longer capable of doing this. Mm -hmm. Nah, Don't you we, just made a mistake, bro. Yeah, just move on. We learn. We learn from mistakes. Don't live based on your mistake. Live based on the lesson that brought that mistake. Yes. Brought. I love that. Yes. Don't make it a your yes. identity. Lindsay, what will be your word of wisdom? Yeah. I mean, I think that's why I get on with Deborah so well is because I would very much echo the same thing. I think we kind of yeah. have very similar views. Just to add on that, yeah, if something's super uncomfortable, like lean into it, it's probably because you're either going to fail or you're going to learn something. And so that's like something huge. I, ha I, I have to even remind myself these days when I'm doing something that, you know, I might not have confidence in um, is just, yeah, to lean into it. And then another thing, like, especially like, because conferences are kind of, you know, we're, we're starting to yeah be out in the world, and it's feeling normal again. Um, <laughs> just like build each other up. 
And mm. I think mm. men do a really good job of it. I think I've, I've been really fortunate to surround myself and to be able to go to these conferences and to mm-hmm. be surrounded by like alumni that, you know, from other companies and then their friends and all of these. And it's not so much yeah, about, network. yeah. And it's not, not even, it's, it, and it's not even like the rat race kind of thing, like Deborah's talking about and worrying about where everybody is and who you are. It's really just like really, yeah. Kind of just having a community and supporting each other and being more mm-hmm. outward so about good. it as well. I love that. Okay. Yeah, I love that. I like that too. Um, talk about community. I cannot end this podcast without giving yeah. a special shout out to Manuela Cortez. Oh yeah, she's in contact. Fabulous. Manuela yeah. is the bomb.com. I absolutely adore her. I think she is super valuable to this industry as a whole. And I'm so glad she's part of a team like Adapex because I can feel the energy. So Manuela, if you listen to this, this is because of you. Those who don't know Manuela, she's the host of the Programmatic Digest podcast in Espanol. So she reached out to me a couple of years ago saying, we need this in Spanish. I was like, I can't speak Spanish. You want to do it? She was like, yes. And she started, you know, and the podcast has been just as successful as the English version that says a lot about just the energy and the type of things that are happening around her. And I absolutely love, love, love Manuela. So shout out to Manuela. And the last shout out I'll say really quick is the Women in Programmatic Network. Are you guys part of it? Yes. Yes. That's, that's how we found a, Manuela. Yeah. That's how we yeah. found her. Yeah. And and the women in programmatic network have sent me a lot of guests. So when I found out that that's how, you know, full circle, I was like, that makes so much sense. Why I'm so like, why the energy is so well, like you attract things that are worth attracting. And so I was like, this is full circle. Amazing. So yeah. shout out to Manuela, shout out to the women in programmatic network. Um, it'll be in the show notes, the description. They're both very active on LinkedIn, strongly recommend just reach out to them say hi just let them know how amazing they were on the podcast and as always ladies you're always welcome to coming back thank you so much for making the time thank you you so much and i hope we get to meet again soon and i anyone reach out to us we're here to talk and chat and share and, and build each other up yes definitely tap into this definitely tap into this knowledge 